0: I'm Dr. Omar Khan. I'm Dr. Shannon Gowland. I'm Dr. Tiffany Dursey. And welcome to Vet Sessions. Hello and welcome to Vet Sessions. I'm Dr. Shannon Gowland and I'm your host today and I'm so excited to be chatting with Jen Thurtell, who's the manager of the medical communication program here at the Ontario Veterinary College. Welcome Jen.
1: Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Thanks so much for coming in to speak to me today. So communication is so fascinating, and it is such an important part of what we do every day in clinical practice. And I feel like I learn something about it every day. Um, I'm just wondering, could you start by kind of telling us a little bit about you, like why you're so interested in communication and a little bit about what your career path has been to get where you are?
1: Sure. So I'm just starting my fifth year in this role. Mm -hmm. And before that, I was working with the veterinary skills training and enhancement program, which was called VSTEP for short. And that was a program for veterinarians who had arrived in North America and were going through the process to become licensed to practice here. And so the communication and language piece were a large piece of it. We also covered, you know, surgery, anesthesia, radiology, all those parts of the curriculum. But we had the communication program where the students could practice learning the skills and sometimes also working on the language so that they would be comfortable interacting with clients. So then this position became available at OVC after VSTEP had finished and I was lucky to segue into this role.
0: Amazing, amazing. That's
1: really interesting that that kind of sparked your interest and that you then
0: kind of jumped into this role and we're certainly really happy to have you. So um, thanks so much for sharing that. So now let's talk a little bit more about veterinary communication here at OVC. So so what
1: is what is AVM? So AVM stands for the Art of Veterinary Medicine which is a program that goes across phases one, two, and three for the students, or years one, two, and three for Mm -hmm. the DVM students. Mm -hmm. And my understanding is that it was created and started being delivered in the year 2000 to fill a gap of certain pieces of the curriculum that were not being covered. And so the three main areas in AVM are um, the human-animal connections and personal and professional development. And then communication. So that's where I have the biggest role in the communication aspect.
0: Fantastic. It's such an important part of the curriculum. I have to say, yes, I'm old. But uh, (laughs) when I was here as a student uh, at OVC, I think I got a two-hour lecture about the human-animal bond. And that was a new new lecture at that point. So we've come a long way. I'm so happy that the students get all the communication training that they do. Yeah. So across the four years of their sort of DVM degree, what does that communication training
1: look like as compared to mine? (laughs) So uh, in their first, second and third years, the students in lecture get theory about effective communication uh, from their uh, professors and and the course coordinators. And then uh, they get the opportunity to apply the theory in a lab setting. So they get to have interviews with we call simulated clients. um, And they work through the interview process and then they get feedback from all the people with them in the lab. Okay, interesting. And and then what is your role in all this? Uh, So I coordinate the labs. So coordinating the labs means finding simulated clients to hire, training them, uh, working on the scripts that they learn, recruiting coaches who come in to work with the students in the labs. And the coaches are generally veterinarians in the community or as you know yourself uh veterinarians at ovc and faculty and we also have some postdocs who work with the students uh, who have studied veterinary communication so i'm busy coordinating all the schedules recruiting the people um yeah it's a it's a very interesting role yeah,
0: yeah, that's a lot of work. There are a lot of moving pieces for sure. So thank you so much for doing that. <laughs> you must be really organized. So um, so tell me more about the simulated clients and their
1: role. Right, so simulated clients are all kinds of different people. Uh, they some of them are grad students at the University of Guelph. Some of them are people in our community, retirees, people who are involved in community theater, um, and just people generally interested in animals, veterinary uh, practice, and teaching and working with students. And so they get to they get assigned a script. Generally, learn their script come in and train with me before they meet the students and practice uh, going through it and then also get trained on how to share feedback um, in the most effective way with the students.
0: Amazing, and they're so good at it, and so believable. It's it's quite incredible with these people, you know, simulating um, being a real client. I I found it amazing um, watching them. So, who coaches the students then during the simulations? You you mentioned a little bit, but what are? Can you tell me a bit more about the coaching experience or um, what it's like for them?
1: Right. So most of our coaches um, are veterinarians in the community who volunteer their time. A lot of them just want to give back to OVC and work with their future colleagues uh, by being here, working with the students. And some, um, as I mentioned, have done grad work in veterinary communication and are now doing postdocs or working on their graduate studies. And they work with the coaches and then uh, faculty at OVC and people here within our community. So
0: interesting. I've done some communication training. Well, partly when I got this job, which was really interesting, because I found that over the years in practice, I kind of developed my own style of communication. And it wasn't really until I came back to OVC that I really understood why some things work and why some things don't. I definitely had some aha moments for sure. So um, it is it is very interesting being a coach. And it's it's interesting watching the communication happen and, and doing that. So thank you very much.
1: Yeah. And we hear that from the coaches that they really enjoy coming back yeah. and hearing the new practices or the, you know, the newest research that's been done. And also being able to give back and be around students and hearing the, the new ideas and thoughts and, and new best practices. So yeah, the coaches always share that they get a lot out of it. Yeah, for and sure. They find it fascinating that They know there's one script with that client, but every conversation with each student goes a different way. So, yeah, it's quite incredible. That must be really interesting, kind of
0: getting that overview, because you can watch kind of all of them going on, whereas a coach kind of has their own, just their own students. So, yeah, that's, that's really interesting.
1: Yeah, and I guess one piece there. So we do train with the coaches beforehand. Yes. And then I'm able to observe and listen and share feedback with the coaches and the simulated clients who are sharing feedback with the students. So it's just a cycle of always developing and growing together.
0: For sure. So everybody can get better at their role and learn something new. That's, yeah. that's amazing. Okay. And then, you know, we hear lots about the famous Calgary Cambridge guide to communication. <laughs> so I wondered if you want to share a little bit about that.
1: So the Calgary Cambridge Guide is an evidence-based list of communication process skills, uh, I guess is what I would say. And they were initially developed uh, for human medicine. Uh, On the the list, there are 73 skills. So the process of the interaction is broken down and the skills are are within each part of an interaction. And then... um, Doctors Cindy Adams and Suzanne Kurtz honed that list to make it specific for veterinary medicine. Oh, really interesting. Yeah,
0: it's a really interesting thing to read too. And that's another one of those things where if you've been in practice or observed practice for a while, you can definitely look through the steps and, and it makes a lot of sense in terms of what works. And um, it's a great tool to have for sure. It's very large, though.
1: Yes, it's, it's a large list. And, and around that large list, there has been a textbook created called the Skills for Communicating in Veterinary Medicine. So for people who are really interested in learning more about it, there is that reference. Amazing. Amazing. Okay. So
0: I was hoping maybe, you know, you could share some sort of top ideas or what you most wish students and veterinarians um, could use or know about communication. What are your kind of um, favorite things to talk about as far as that goes?
1: I guess I would start with saying that research shows that uh, connecting with the clients um, really is key for compliance and for client satisfaction and for job satisfaction for the veterinarian themselves. And so if I was to break down skills that help with that connecting with and working with, um, I would probably start with avoiding making any assumptions of who you're about to be with. Yes, Asking open-ended questions so that you can hear the story from the client. Listening reflectively so you make sure you're hearing what's being said and you're gathering all the information, being aware of your own uh, nonverbal communication and the nonverbal communication that from your client. And I think checking in is very important once you get to the explaining, educating piece uh, in an interaction. So just making sure what you're saying is making sense and, and you're both on the same page as you move forward.
0: Yeah, those are those are so important. And I think that really kind of distills it down to what I think is most important as well. I, the first one you just mentioned was connecting, like connecting with the client and taking a more um, collaborative approach as opposed to sort of dictating what's going to happen next. Right. And I think here at OVC, I, I'm at the primary healthcare center, of course. Yes. Um, and one of the things I really like is watching the students build that connection with the clients, um, getting to know them a little bit and ha- sort of um, including the client in our medical conversation. Conversations as well I think that our clients get a lot out of that and I think that the students really enjoy the process of kind of making recommendations and giving the client all of the choices and options for their pets care and I really enjoy watching the students make that connection with the clients and share their knowledge and come up with a plan that works for both um, whenever possible so that's that's been really interesting for me
1: yes and dr. Jason Coe yes who you know yep. um, has a, a, a lab here at OVC called Relationship Centered Veterinary Medicine, and they're doing quite a bit of research there. And definitely the research shows that working together and, and working on the, those relationships uh, with the client, within your team, you know, all those important relationships based on effective communication are key. For sure.
0: And you mentioned job satisfaction. Uh, one of the fun things that uh, all three of the vets, Tiffany and Omar, and I do with the students is that we um, join them for kind of case rounds at the beginning of the morning where we're, it's not exactly a medical round, it's more looking at the day and going through. And we can typically go through the entire day of multiple appointments. And if they're patients and clients we've seen before, often we can tell them something about each patient and client that we're seeing because they're, they're repeat, um, you know, repeat patients and clients. And the students always ask us, how do you do that? How do you remember this? But it's because we get to know people as they come in for their appointments. And it's such a privilege to have kind of a little slice of life from people. So taking that extra moment to say, how are you today? Or, you know, it maybe you're waiting for an ear cytology result or something, and maybe you ask them what their job is or what they're doing today, or do they have plans for the weekend? And often you can just get to know that person that little bit more. So over the years, it actually builds into a really nice relationship, and I find that so satisfying. It's the best thing about general practice, I think.
1: Nice, yes, and learning about a person's environment and learning more about the person themselves and the patient can also be very helpful when plans need to be made and treatments need to be figured out, knowing you know, if someone's out all day, Three times a day with a pill won't work for that person, so you can figure out the most appropriate treatment plans more effectively the more you know and have connected with that client.
0: Oh, absolutely. And we have a client who recently who has, you know, arthritis in her own knees, and so she can't bend down to medicate her cat on the floor. So then we had to work around that a little bit. But if we didn't know that about her, then we would just send home pills and assume it would be fine.
1: Right. Which speaks to that compliance Mm -hmm. piece. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. What was your next thing that you mentioned? The next thing was thinking about uh, avoiding making assumptions. Yes. And starting with open inquiry so you can hear their story from them rather than assuming any part of it.
0: Absolutely. That's so important. And you can't tell by, you, you can't look at a person and really tell anything about them at all in terms of what they're going to want for their pet care. Um, and it's uh, it's really interesting watching situations unfold as students go in and then get to know the person a little bit better and ask a lot of questions.
1: Mm-hmm. And that builds that rapport and mm-hmm. connection that we were starting
0: with. Yeah, absolutely. And just asking the person what they're hoping for. Yes. You know, often then they, they will tell you what they want and then that removes any possibility of making assumptions so yeah sometimes we're just afraid to ask those questions somehow
1: right but when we ask them we deepen that connection absolutely and then the next thing you mentioned the next one was about non-verbals both being yes. aware of one's own yeah and picking up on the clues that the, that the client is giving you
0: absolutely absolutely it, it's really interesting being in an exam room with with students as well because um I find that I do try to watch my nonverbal communication, but I, I like to kind of have the students be more the primary clinician whenever possible. So I usually try to sit on the floor, but often I'll look around and without me realizing it, soon everybody's on the floor. <laughs> so <laughs> um, it, it, is, it is, and that makes me realize how important that really is. So standing with your arms crossed over your chest and looking maybe a little bit guarded, people really do pick up on that. So it, it's hard to be conscious of it, but um, I, I do agree that it's really important.
1: Yes. And then the next one we, I talked about was reflective listening. Yes. Just to make sure, again, building the connection by showing that you're listening and, and that the client is being heard. Um, and also to make sure you are getting the right information and understanding th- things correctly. Yeah.
0: Can you give me an example just so everybody knows what we mean by reflective listening?
1: Yes. So... I think you would like me to give you an example of what reflective listening
0: is. (laughs) I see what you did there. That was perfect. Yeah. So just kind of echoing back what you feel that you heard, maybe summarizing what you heard from the client and then asking them if that's correct. Yeah, absolutely. And when you first start doing this, it can feel kind of awkward, but soon you actually kind of incorporate it into your own style. um, And you can say things like, okay, so it sounds like this is what you'd like to do. Um, And then you can go from there. So you don't have to like parrot back the client's words you can just summarize and and ask them if that's what they
1: meant yes and that check-in to make sure and so
0: often that seems to kind of open the door for people to but add to what you said so I can say you know it sounds like you'd like to do this is that right and they'll say yep but this that and the other thing and it's just amazing how that conversational ball then goes back and forth really easily because the person realizes that you really want to know What it is that they want,
1: right? And they feel engaged and heard. Yeah, 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 it's it's really great. Yeah. So I guess with the reflective listening. that's often part of the gathering, the history part of the interaction. And then once the physical exam has happened and you move into the explaining and planning piece, that's where checking in uh, is very important. And the skill is actually called chunking and checking. So you chunk the information and then you check in. Does that make sense? Do you have any questions about that? And then deliver another chunk of information and check in again. And that really helps to make sure the client is understanding what you're saying and that it is something that they Feel, yes, I I can do that. Yes, that works for us. Or no, it doesn't. Can we explore other options? Absolutely. It
0: it really does work well. And again, then people can ask, well, that you can repeat just a smaller amount rather than unloading a huge barrage of medical information on them and then realizing they didn't understand the first thing that you said. Right. Yeah. And then that they're trying to remember it and not hearing the next thing. Yeah. I I really like that technique too. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And if I could add one of my own, I would add trying to avoid medical jargon. Uh, So we are steeped in this language, the medical language for years and uh, for our entire career. Um, I find the most common words that students say that owners really don't understand are NSAIDs. So NSAID stands for non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug, but to us, it's in fact a word. So even though it's an acronym. So um, I I think that avoiding words like that, uh, NSAID, hepatic, renal, meaning liver, kidney, we just say these words to us, they... The meaning is so clear that often we don't think to explain what that means. But those are the top three that I hear people say. And so trying to avoid that jargon that is so natural to us, um, it can be really hard.
1: Yes. Yeah, that is a very important one. And you can do a real life rewind, I guess, if you do catch yourself oh, saying yeah. something right. Oh, I'm sorry. I just said it and do you know what that means? Yeah, <laughs> so absolutely. It's, yeah. That checking in piece. Yeah, 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 for
0: sure. So it's okay if you jargonize as long as you explain what that word means. Right. You absolutely. Right. Just don't carry on as though they, of course, understand this strange language that you're speaking. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah for very sure. good point. For sure. For sure. And then um, the other thing I know that's really important when talking about communication is empathy. Um, I know that you feel really strongly about that and have some ideas around um, what we should think about when it comes to empathy.
1: Yes, so one article I've read says, empathy is an I and a you statement. So I understand that you are having a hard day. It doesn't mean that you need to be in the same situation as the person. It just shows that you are understanding where they are or what they're sharing with you. Um, does that make sense? That's a really
0: interesting way of thinking of it. I haven't actually heard of it described as an I and you statement. Oh. I, I love that actually. Oh, good. Yeah. Well, that
1: was in uh, Dr. Adams and, and Kurtz's <laughs> textbook about veterinary medicine. Okay. Um, and yes, it, it's a very effective. So, because I think sometimes empathy and sympathy and compassion can get mixed up in a way that you need to be sad if someone is sad. Yes. Um, and I don't feel that that is what especially clinical empathy um, is. Empathy is just understanding what the person is sharing with you and sharing with them that you are understanding what they're sharing with you. So I recently read uh, an article that is out this month in Veterinary Practice News called Clinical Empathy. And Dr. Tincher wrote this article. And highlighted many of the same skills that we've just talked about Uh, the reflective listening the open-ended questions that all wrap up in what she said is the veterinarian superpower which is clinical empathy yeah i loved it too i highly recommend the article very interesting about communication and empathy
0: Okay, I'm looking forward to reading it. Yeah, I I do really like um, the way you're describing empathy. And it's so important. But it is you're right, it's difficult to kind of untangle empathy, compassion, sympathy. um, And really, people just want to be heard and seen, as opposed to having you experience the same emotion along with you. And you can be very empathetic, but professional at the same time. Exactly. Communication is fascinating. It really, really is. Um, and I know I, I learn something every day uh, in watching the vet students do their appointments. And um, hopefully they learn something as well. But um, it's an ever-evolving thing.
1: Yes. And um, if I may rewind, one yes. piece I missed when we were talking about the experience of the students across their four years, mm-hmm. I only touched on the first three but as you know every fourth year student has a rotation here at PHC Mm -hmm. and part of that rotation is uh, touching base with a member of our team each week to reflect on the communication aspect of the interactions they're having and so that's a very valuable time for them to share with each other and to share with uh, a member of the communication team to talk about what's happening and talk about their great successes that they've had with clients and maybe share a challenge and and try to break it down, what skill maybe I could have used to make that a, a smoother interaction. So it's a very valuable time for the students and they seem to really appreciate being able to reflect on the interactions in the moment during the rotation.
0: Yeah, for sure they do because they record their interactions with the clients and then bring it to that communication rounds, right? They do. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It is humbling to watch yourself being recorded, but you know, it's such a safe space with the communication staff and with each other. Um, everybody knows that, you know, everyone goes through this and it's a, it's a really valuable learning experience.
1: Yes, and they've had experience being recorded because that's part of also um, of the first three years. They get recorded while they're having the simulated interactions, and then they write uh, a report on what they did well, what skills maybe they didn't use that they could have brought in, and just reflecting on how the interaction went.
0: Wow, really interesting. Really interesting. Okay. And then um, I heard that perhaps you were looking for people to participate in your communication lab. Is that correct?
1: Well, yes, we're always developing and growing the program. So if anyone who's listening is interested in being involved either as a simulated client, um, they could contact me and we could discuss the program further. And also, if you have any veterinarians listen who would like to Come back to OVC and work with the students in the communication aspect of it all. Uh, we would we're always looking for more volunteers for the coaching aspect as well. So,
0: okay, amazing. Now, I don't know if you want to us uh, to post your email, if you want to let us know what the how to communicate with you.
1: Uh, sure. Well, we can post it, and I can say it right now. Sure. Go ahead. <laughs> it's T-H-U-R-T-E-L-J at uo.guelph.ca. Okay, thanks. And we'll put that on
0: Instagram as well. Okay. That's perfect. Great. Okay, well, thank you so much for coming in today, Jen. I really appreciate it.
1: Oh, thank you for having me. It was fun. Yeah, anytime.
0: (laughs) And we're just going to take a quick moment right now just to uh, thank our sponsors, um, who are, of course, OVC Pet Trust. OVC Pet Trust was founded in 1986 here at the Ontario Veterinary College, and it's Canada's first charitable fund dedicated to improving and advancing companion animal health and well-being. Thank you, Pet Trust, for everything that you do. You can learn more about them at www.pettrust.ca. And before we end our episode today, we'd just like to share an event with our listeners. So please welcome Nicole, a student veterinarian here at the Ontario Veterinary College who will be hosting the event. Go ahead, Nicole. Hi, my name is Nicole and I am a phase three student at the Ontario Veterinary College. This fall, I am hosting Punk for Paws, a live concert fundraiser where 100% of proceeds are donated to OBC Pet Trust. Join us in Guelph on Saturday, November 4th at Taboo the Underground to celebrate a night of live music featuring Animal Boy, Sun-Dried Whales, and Weekend Goodbye. Be sure to arrive early to bid on your favourite items in the silent auction and grab a swag bag from our sponsors before they run out. For more information, follow Punk for Paws on Instagram and Facebook. See you there! Amazing. That sounds fantastic and a lot of fun. So thanks so much to our guests for listening today as well. If you have any further questions or ideas, please send us uh, an email at vetsessions at hotmail.com. And you can also follow us on Instagram at vetsessions. Take care, everyone. See you next time.